0: Hello, and welcome to roundtable number three of Duelist Unity. I will be playing the part of Andrew today.
1: I'm still playing part of Ray, and today we are joined by Aaron and Scott. Um, we're going to introduce them, but I just want to mention first, before we get into the conversation, as always, that these dialogues are completely informal. We just kind of go back and forth and see where our collective will takes us and what insights uh, kind of pop up along the way. So if anybody has something to say, by all means, interrupt me or Andrew as we're talking. Uh, change the conversation's direction as you see fit. But to start, uh, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do and of course, what brought you to do that?
2: Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. I will be playing one of my favorite characters today, Aaron, my go-to character. Uh, let's see. I guess I have a few uh, default sub-characters. I. Also play Dr. Aaron, also known as the Self Love Doctor. So I'm a naturopathic physician by training, and now I work as a self love coach online, primarily for women, in like the life coachy space. Very interested to have a conversation about that today. And then um, my other—that's like my full time job, basically what I spend most of my time doing. And then. Another big part of my identity is um, as the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called Participate. And we do rural healthcare in Nepal and really just working on, uh, in a nutshell, we're working to shift the uh, healthcare system to one that is more localized and using local resources like plant medicine. so those are my two like big loves, what I spend most of my time doing. Uh, I'm also a new wife, so I'm, Congrats. you know, playing, thank you, yeah, playing like homemaker these days, I'm also like my heart is pounding, I don't know why, all of a sudden, unless you push record, I start, got nervous, so I've, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation, I have no preparation at all other than to like have a good time and learn some new things.
1: So, that's perfect. You're going to fit right in because we do the exact same thing, so that's not a problem at all. I, I was watching uh, some of your inner critic series on Instagram. If mm-hmm. anybody has any interest in examining their inner critic, which they should, uh, definitely check that out because there's a lot of insights. And I enjoy how you've had different guests come on and talk about their own strategies for dealing with the inner critic, their own views mm-hmm. of the inner critic. So that that's been a lot, uh, very enjoyable for me over the last few days. And of course, we have Scott. Scott is the host of Causing the Effect podcast. Uh, Scott, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into the podcast, and, of course, what drives you.
3: Yeah, man. Thank you, Aaron, for breaking it down the characters because I am a similar person, so I got a different version of myself, too. So we'll do the the boring money-making job first. So I run an advisory firm in Manhattan really catering to ultra-high-net-worth individuals and celebrities. It pays the bills. I'm very grateful, blah, blah, blah. That's some bullshit. Great. I hope nobody from work is listening. Uh, (laughs) My podcast is my passion. I would say I got into this – self-development now it's kind of like self-healing for me more uh kind of space probably five or six years ago and and the, the point of my podcast is to just like very simply kind of like a spiritual joe rogan i want people to simply be the truest version of themselves and i really think i'm put on this earth to sort of like liberate people from their own bondage in a way um you know, I don't consider myself a coach yet, maybe one day, but um, you know, I love what I do. Uh I talk about psychology, neuroscience, all the fun stuff that we're gonna probably talk about today, spirituality. Um, and then at night I do some stand up comedy. So wow. yeah, I'm just throwing shit at the wall, seeing what sticks. And um, you know, I, I think there's no surprise that I love people, I love connection. That's why everything I do is kind of revolving around people and, and just different facets of life. Like in the mornings, I'm talking to billionaires, and at night I'm talking to like scumbag comedians. So it's fantastic. So it's uh, I'm very grateful
2: awesome.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. I'm very excited for this conversation with <laughs> with both of you for sure. And and it's funny you, you kind of toss in that first part of your job there, Scott, because that's kind <clears> of <throat> how I am too. Like I work in digital advertising, and Ray has a full time job as well. And we're like, yeah, we do this, but like this is what we really like doing. Like having this conversation for the sake of having it, making content, filming videos, just talking about this stuff. Quite frankly, like I try and get on all the. Podcasts that I can as as a guest and and just having this every week, being able to just have this conversation with Ray and and other people who are willing to have it is really what gets me going. Dude, it's it's
3: it's like the only thing that keeps me grounded is my podcast. Like I was just having this conversation with my boss. He's like, "You're really happy when you're doing podcasts." I'm like, "Yeah, you fucking asshole!" Like, there's no, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think even just meeting people has been such a like refreshing thing for me because I would say i should not be the one talking about spirituality on paper the italian kid from brooklyn who was born i can talk about my background and all this stuff but i you know my father was in the mafia growing up he's in the witness protection program now so like if i on paper i should not be talking about this but you know culture and society kind of brings you to, to where you got to be and growing up I, when i said i hit 30 i said i, I want to be the truest version of myself i want to be held accountable and that's what kind of created my podcast so uh appreciate what, what you guys are doing seriously
1: I'm glad to have you here as well. It's funny how we kind of look at it that way on paper. It doesn't necessarily look like we have the credentials, but in reality, we absolutely have the credentials. And I know because when I was exploring seminary and I was exploring the priesthood when I was younger... There's a lot of, of knowledge there's a lot of on paper credentials that goes into that and very little in the way of self awareness. And, and so I would gladly take somebody who's been through the shit who's gone through you know the obstacles and challenges and maybe can come out with a few scars to prove it, um, but the knowledge is there it's actually ingrained in your being as a person. I mean, this is what Jesus was talking to, to thieves and, 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 uh, and rapists and murderers and everything else and, and saying, like, these are the people who need God the most. These are the people who are in the shit, right? It's not the people who are comfortable up on a mountaintop that need to talk about this. I mean, they're fine. It's the people that are going through it. They're the ones that are going to learn lessons that other people just don't have the opportunity to see.
3: Exactly. And and I went to private Catholic school my whole life and I just thought, what is this nonsense? What's happening? And now I'm reading the Bible. My mother's like, now you're into it. Cause it's like, you know, when you don't when you when you're it's not getting forced down your throat. It's just a different thing for me. Cause like now I do uh I do like breakdowns of, of each different holy scripture. So I'm doing the Bible, I'm doing the Bhagavad Gita and like just understanding the metaphors for that and consciousness, all this beautiful stuff. And my mom's like, What, what happened? How did this happen? I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. you just kind of end up where you're gonna be. So
2: yeah, now it's not being force-fed. It's much exactly. easier.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: I actually uh, I want to jump in with this question before we leave this topic of our jobs, um, because Ray, it's something that I've always been curious to ask you whenever I get the chance to have a conversation with you. And here I am. So like you guys, Andrew and Scott, you're talking about your uh, day job, you know, that's just what you do to pay the bills. And it's not something like that your heart is in and you're so excited about. and I feel a lot different than that. Both of my jobs are just like my heart, you know, my passion, and and I'm because I'm talking about this stuff. But I don't know. It's also like something that's very close to me that I'm doing as an entrepreneur. And Ray, so you were a life coach, you know, and I uh, and Scott, you're talking about maybe one day a life coach. So I want to explore this area, like. First of all, Ray, like why did you leave that? You know? Why did you leave that? And like what, you know, and come to this job that I don't know, like is it just a jobby job now? Like do you feel the same way as Andrew and Scott feel about it? Um uh, so yeah, I'd be interested to hear about that and uh, maybe we just start there. I have a lot I have a lot of questions around like how we spend how, how we spend our time working.
1: You know? Fair enough. Um I was a life coach for about a decade. Um yeah. I enjoyed it. I I, I always it was kind of like the podcast. As soon as I was going in to meet a client, all the weight came off, Ray disappeared, and I was just in there being the reality of the client, which was fantastic and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in a smallish town, so there was a limited audience, but I would work online in order to supplement my income that way. Um, but it was over time what I started realizing was that one-on-one, as much as I enjoy doing it, I make more of a ripple just putting seeds out there, just throwing content out there. And I know that from when I had a YouTube channel back in 2005, it took me very little time to actually ga- gather a bit of a crowd around it. And it's just because I could go deeper into certain conversations and I can go deeper into certain subjects that most people, when they come for life coaching, don't want to talk about. And that was it. Was a lot of people would come to, to life coaching and I would almost feel like a mechanic or it's like, okay, we're going to fix this and then send you on your way. But a lot of people wouldn't take the, uh, the maintenance tips that you'd give them right on for when they're on the road. And so they'd be right back shortly back in the same repetitive cycle. And so I would try going deeper into insights and stuff like that. And what I found was that the insights were more useful than my company, not to put down my company. I enjoy talking and, and, and whatnot, and, but um, it's just that an insight is something that somebody can take with them, chew on it in their own time, apply it to, to their situation as they are ready to do so. When people come in for life coaching, it's it's typically, you know, because they're not feeling very good about their life, they want to feel a little bit better, and then once the consequence consequence has been alleviated, they go right back to their old pattern. Which is why my life coaching was called transcendence. Was becoming aware of the patterns that we invest in for the for the benefit in order to see the consequence, right? Because often we get so wrapped up in the benefit that we will ignore the consequence, because otherwise we have to give up the strategy that's investing in the benefit, right? And so that was the the crux of it, but. As I life coached, I started realizing that I was enjoying groups more and more. I was starting to make content on TikTok, thanks to my daughter. She kind of you know, motivated me to do that. And what I found was that there's a larger uh, and more receptive audience online than there was back in 2005 when I was on YouTube or in the 15 years since then, people are actually wanting to talk about this to the depth that I want to go. Mm. which is amazing to me. But back to your question about why I took this job. Um, My wife ended up getting accepted for her practicum. She's in her master's of counseling. She's almost done right now. And the city that she got accepted in was not the city we lived in. And so I had to shut down my business and all my clients. And the the question was, well, do I want to continue doing this over Zoom? Do I want to continue trying to get more clients and, and that kind of thing? Or do I want to look for a job? And so I hadn't decided, I was kind of sitting in limbo. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call from a company asking me to come in and consult on their marketing campaign. And so I did that and they hired me on the spot that day. They asked me, what do you want to earn? I told them what salary I wanted. They said, okay, that's it. And and I got hired. And so it paid for my trip out to this city and it's paid for uh, my rent during that. And while we try to build dualistic unity and whatnot but I did want to mention this and I know I'm I'm still rambling, I do that. Um, When it comes to my job, there are days where it's just, it's kind of the grind because it's not my company. It's not my product. Yeah. At the end of the day, and regardless of how I might believe in the product, and how, regardless of how I might see the purpose of the company, it's still not my company, and it's not my product. My product is dualistic unity. My my company, my my ambition is this conversation. But what I do find is that if I dig into the parts of the job that are rewarding—talking to people, getting past my limitations, letting go of my self-doubt—just the process of the job itself, not the job, but the process then I find fulfillment and enthusiasm. And it doesn't matter if they grind or not. But as soon as I start thinking about the fact that I'm paying bills, that I'm dancing to somebody else's tune, then it starts to grind. And so I kind of use it as an opportunity to get past my preferences. So that way, when I do leave my job again, and I do do this uh, full time, it's just gonna be that much more enjoyable, because I built that habit of enjoying where I am. Mm.
3: I'll let uh, Andrew Andrew, you can go next.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I and Ray and I talk about this a lot. We actually talk with some people in our discord about this a lot because there's a few who are just very fed up with the corporate culture, the nine to five sort of situation. And it's something like and Ray's definitely helped me with this. And just like having these conversations every week helps a lot because Yeah. Like my job, I've never hated my job. It's not like so bad that I've, I've just like absolutely despised doing it every day. Like it's fine, but there are certainly things I'm far more passionate about for sure. It's not, it's not my passion, but it's funny how often you can catch yourself when you're doing sort of like a monotonous task or just something that you're like, well, this isn't actually contributing to like building a empire that I, that I want, that's going to like help me down the road. It's like, I'm building someone else's empire. And it's almost like when you catch yourself in those situations and, and remember that you're only making this more difficult for yourself, like in, in so many moments in, in, and it's outside of work too. And in, in any sort of situation, like we exacerbate our own suffering so much by thinking that things should be different than they are. And, and I think that is sort of the root of suffering, like thinking things should be at all different than they are right now. so being able so frequently to like practice that in a sort of typical nine to five job is is helpful because the more you do it, the more you do it and the easier it gets. And and it is a practice. And as much as the things we talk about, like the present moment is all there is like they're they're fairly simple to grasp. It is And like, there isn't a process to it whatsoever. There still is sort of in like another way, like there there is a practice. And so, yeah, I don't see myself staying in this job forever, even, you know, maybe not through the end of this year, but for now it is what it is. And I appreciate the ability to, you know, practice those things throughout the day and having opportunities every single day to do so.
3: Very cool. And I completely agree with what you guys are saying. This is like my, the only struggle in life is like this topic. So this is very interesting that everyone brought this up. So just to give everybody like a, yeah, so just to like let everybody understand where my background was, I, I am a trained CPA, CFA. I spent eight years in a hedge fund. Um, horrible, horrible. Nine to nine. Kids are from Iowa. i have moved to New York City to do exactly what they want to do. They love this stuff. It's great. And I'm sitting like, can I get out of here and go read a book or something? So um, that actually gave me ulcers actually doing that. So I had a, a through, uh, my cousin, who's a, lives in Thailand, one of these enlightened cats, lives in a, you know, lives in one of these little tiny huts. He sent me a book called Mindfulness in Plain English. And um, that changed my life. I started, I, I remember sitting on the train. Like I can never sit for for 30 seconds. Now I do an hour and a half meditation every morning. I'm up 4 a.m. And I do this whole, you know, kit and caboodle. Um, that led me to, um, what i do now which is um, i'm principal at the quest organization which we kind of created this whole thing of trying to be a one-stop shop for ultra rich people a because you know they have the most money and b it's it's very efficient with time so this is kind of like my idea so i lead our family office division that's the people i worked with um in the past and you know i have those same feelings that you guys have Of and i I've, i would even say we there's 18 people i'm a principal so we have you know i only got a listen to people about time and this and that, but still there's still that like itch. And it really, for me, comes down to like the perception. So I I had, I had a big conversation with my boss about this in the the beginning of the year. And I said, listen, I like doing this. The pay is phenomenal for working 20, 30 hours a week, making all this crazy money. I want to be here, but I have these other passions I'm about. I need, you know, I basically can't really work. I'm going to work Mondays and Fridays, but I need time to do my podcast. I need time to to do my comedy. It's a lot of stuff. He said, and, and surprisingly, this is a 77 year old Jewish man who just, wants you to make money very open to it. and I think it was a struggle in the beginning but now he's seeing I'm kind of I'm just happier and everybody around me is more happier and I'm seeing that um, we're actually bringing in some of these mindfulness techniques and some mindset techniques. I, I try to break things down in two different ways. There's like the self-development side of things of being able to do stuff, set goals, and that. And then there's just self-healing, which I would say it's harder for me to do the self-healing side of things. Calmness, stillness. So like as Andrew was saying, my goal this year has just been letting go of things, and it's been kind of easy, honestly. So instead of like, I think people try to look at like you had to add things to it. I think it's more about like removing the veil of illusions and, and understanding like what Andrew was saying. Like if I sit and I wake up and I'm annoyed, I'll just, I could sit and be annoyed all day. But if I start my, my, my I call it a power hour and I sit 40 minutes of meditation, do some gratitude, do some forgiveness, really feel connected with the world. Everything comes better. No, I just got to do that three days a week. I got to do it from 11 to four or five. You know, I was here, here at six something. So I am very grateful. And I do try to balance my life as Scott, the symbolic self, and then Scott, the physical self and understanding that I'm a little bougie. I do like the nice things. I do like to go out for bottle service. I do like to put up the suit on, but I'm also like a sage at heart. And I, I really enjoy the stillness. And I do think that there is a significance to my life that I could bring to people just by, just by talking about this stuff and kind of bringing awareness. I do think that's why people like my podcast. Cause it's like, it's almost like an urban style of spirituality.
2: Mm.
3: I hope that answered it. I was just rambling. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I like forgot what the question was at certain points there, but ultimately so this is just interesting you know i don't know everyone on their different path because of course like my my path of uh, being an entrepreneur and my product being this thing that's like a piece of my fucking heart you know is wrought with its own struggles and suffering you know um but scott okay well, first of all is this cool i feel like it might be like bogart in the conversation no right? hey,
3: and just so you <laughs> know let me just say this that's what i want to add like aaron i'm like so like, amazed by people who can make money themselves. This is like a big limiting belief I have. It's like, I am i really believe, like, I, you put me to ruin billionaires, I'm gonna get money out of them. It's just what I do. I don't, I'm just sitting here doing my thing. But if you told me, like, Scott, you have to go do this by yourself, I can't do it. And that, that's like a belief I've been struggling with. And it was up to me. I'd want to be a podcast, Alan Watts philosopher, and talk to people and talk about letting go and do my little thing and do that whole shtick. But there is fear in me, and I think letting go of that that ego attachment of nice things and even even saying, "Oh, I'm a principal at this fucking company," like that's still me. You know, it's being an asshole. Like I want to let that go, but it's a hard this thing. These, these things are not easy to do. So that is that's just what I want to add as well. <laughs>
1: as long as you're aware of the difference between the role you play and, and who you are it's like my daughter said we've mentioned this in a podcast episode recently there's a big difference between having a name and being your name right like you can describe what you do on a day-to-day basis that doesn't mean that you identify with it necessarily so much as that's just how we've learned to communicate it's like this is what i do in a day but we tend to forget and say oh this is what i am But that's okay. I mean, it's just a slip of the tongue. It's more habit than anything else. If you're aware of that disconnect between what you do and what you are, then you don't have to worry too much about it. But people are going to misinterpret regardless.
3: Ray said it's good. And I hope my boss is listening because that's it. So Yeah, (laughs) Scott.
0: (laughs) Scott, I resonate with all that so much because before it was like, kind of before I met Ray, like I had this idea of enlightenment and it was kind of like the guru type enlightenment or the Eckhart Tolle or, you know, plug in any sort of like typical spiritual enlightened guru. And there was always a part of me that was like, I love Eckhart Tolle. Like I really liked all his books. I, I've, that was the first power of now was the first book that sort of introduced me to all this stuff. And, but I never wanted to be him. Like I, I was like, nah, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of fun to be, be just like calm and, and super quiet all the time. Like I have a little more emotion to me and I like, you know, going out with my friends. Like I live in New York City. I'm a single guy. Like I like doing all those things, but I got caught up last year and like a little bit the year before when, when I started to grow on social media and people had this idea of me and I kind of bought into that idea and I started questioning, like, should I still be doing these things or should I like quit drinking altogether and just never do anything that I typically would do like any vice whatsoever, like stay away from all of it. And I got caught up in thinking like, that's what I should be doing. And then, you know, sort of the more. I that's the same Ray- thing you
3: were talking about with suffering, right? You're just, you're just, gr- yeah. you're trying to make all this. Fit. It's like, exactly. dude, it does fit. It's just, it's, it's, and this is, this is me. So if you guys check it, check out my douchey Instagram after this great Scott. That's like the other version of me. That's like the guy who I want to come out, but uh, th- that I've kind of just accepted. Like these are, th- that's what makes you unique. My man, like that—that's the—that's the point. Like, who—who who could say you live in—you know—besides me and you, because very similar. But like, it, I like telling these stories. I like being this this person because there's not many people who kind of come across and do it. And like, I people have—I've just been—I I feel like a lot of people try to tell me what to do, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, just nod your head. I'm gonna go do what I want because I sort of know what's best for me at, at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna go out once a month, but I'm gonna meditate every day, and I'm gonna go to the gym, and I'm gonna you know do this and that. And it's you know, I think that's what gives us our our uniqueness in a way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like finding finding your balance is the key. Your balance. There's no objective balance for everyone. And and realizing that and understanding that there's no right or wrong, there's no should or shouldn't. It's just understanding that there's consequences to every action and act accordingly and see where it takes you.
3: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And try not to think too much about yourself because then you'll start lacking sensitivity to what is, right? Like that's the whole thing. We get caught up in this illusion of what we think. And then all of a sudden reality comes along and blindsides us and it's because we Dude. weren't paying attention to it
3: right Th- this is what happened f- with me because uh, uh so and you're working you're working in the, in the office or remotely
0: uh remote yeah
3: remote. remote so i had like almost had a breakdown when i had to go back to the office because i was like doing comedy so much and to do comedy in new york city like people are doing 15 20 shows a day so i was used to not that i was doing that much but i was working a little bit and then you run to the comedy so you're there all night and when i had to go back to the office it's like oh my perception is better my awareness i i but I cut him. I'm aware I don't want to be here. Shit. Like what happened? So uh, that was a struggle for me. And just under, like just uh, surrendering. Like I'm putting myself in this whatever situation I'm in. I'm accepting. I, I quit. I can quit right now, but I don't want to. So if I'm going to not do it, I'm just I don't want to talk about it anymore. And it's going to sort of go and just try to make the best of it and, you know, just uh, try to balance everything. So
1: yeah, absolutely. That's exactly, that's all we can do, right? Is, is make the best. of And this is what I, I'm always saying to, well, pretty much everybody is that, we don't have any control, but we always have the potential to make the most of the situation that we're in, whatever that means. And the only person who's going to know what that means is you, because you're in it. You are actually the situation itself, right? You're the experience of that situation happening. So nobody's going to be better equipped to to have the sensitivity to deal with that situation, to let their intelligence play out, to find the cracks, to dig through that that wall. Nobody else is going to be able to do it for you. And that's, that goes back to the question that Aaron, you were asking earlier about life coaching that was kind of the frustration for me was that I was sitting down charging these people to talk to them for an hour. And then after that hour, I think to myself, there was like five, 10 minutes there of insight that they could have just taken and run. And they would have been just fine, just, just working with that. But of course, nobody's going to come in and pay 10 minutes to talk to somebody. And I still had to pay my bills. And so that, that, that kind of led me away from life coaching as well. Mm-hmm. But, and again, that that's me um, just because I, I tend to I'm always going to the existential. I guess that's the thing with me is that because I, I see my my existence in a certain way, that's the way I translate everything. So when somebody comes and talks to me about something, I translate it through that, that lens, through that perspective. My wife, because she's in counseling, we often have you know, little disagreements about this because she'll look at things, you know, like um, in terms of like uh, parts therapy, right? She'll break her, herself into different, different um Different characters kind of like you were talking about in your inner critic series in one of the, the episodes um and to me my my brain goes oh, i'm dividing myself and immediately like I, I have to try and find some way to reconcile how i see things with what she's describing to me and, and so that's that's kind of what the challenge was for me but for her totally different experience because she likes to talk to people about what they're going through i like to talk about the structure that underlies it Right. So I wonder, Aaron, when you're life coaching, do you find that the relationship is is really the the strongest part of that life coaching? Or do you find that it's more or less, you know, trying to find the right strategy or trying to find the right methodology for your client? I always found that it was more of a a sensitivity based thing, but that was just because me, I never had any formal training as a life coach. I didn't even like calling myself a life coach for that reason. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious as to, to how you experience it and more importantly, how you enjoy your relationship with your clients.
2: Uh, it's a real blend, like I feel it, it it is so much I think about how I show up to the uh to the conversation and you know theres like this this um the lingo of like the space that you hold, the container that you make and honestly, I think that that's really important just to um uh, that is a lot of times what people are like paying for, I think for somebody that really like is strong and solid and holds a space for you and knows like, knows your worth, your value, your potential to be all these things and can just kind of like be the lighthouse. And so I think that's really helpful for like people just to be in that. And then, you know, there's different, yeah, different methodologies work for different clients. And I don't know, it's, um, honestly what I think is the more interesting conversation to have that I am like dying to have with all of you because now it sounds like you're in these jobs where you're making money you know where it's like money like I do this work I get this paycheck and then um but you're like oh it's and it's fulfilling I hear you're like getting what you need from it you know like you're learning skills that'll probably be of service to you for the rest of your life. And also I hear this, like, and I want to do something on my own or like make money from, I want dualistic union. Like if this freaking podcast could be, could give you the bougie lifestyle you desire, then that's the dream. Right? So in that is this like, this like commodification of this, of this healing, of this insight, of this like space holding, whatever, is uh, uh, something that I struggle with a lot. Especially like I see it like something else like happening in the online space. Like, who's fucking certified to be a coach, you know? Or what credential? What what is? What do you? I didn't train to be a coach. I trained to be a doctor. I'm I trained to be a primary care physician, you know. So I'm like. and and i specialize in mind body medicine and did lots of training in that so i'm like in my realm and because i got the dr in front of my name it gives me some credibility but like coaching you know i kind of figured that out along the way as did you and you know like anybody can just start calling themselves a coach and so and this is like helpful in some ways and so i would i would uh it's something a conversation that i would just love to hear all of your input on as either you know you've been there. Scott maybe you're going there Andrew maybe you are too like um, what are your thoughts on um, uh, on I I guess the word is commodification I mean it's a service but like selling this you know and making a living from it
1: I hear that absolutely and I'm gonna gonna let Scott talk here in a second I just want to mention that there is this stage that you go through where it's like okay kind of want to just share this like i just want to talk to people about this all the time and i'd do it for free if i could but there's a world around me that kind of demands that i pay for the place yeah. i live in um, yeah. and so there's there's this transition period but this is i found as my life coaching took off i was actually lowering my prices i was actually making it easier for people to pay be able to pay my rates because i didn't mm-hmm. need as many need as much because i had more clients coming in so i could make sure my bills were paid you know it's the same with uh, dualistic unity we don't want to necessarily turn this into a one-on-one coaching business because there, there's, while there's the potential to make income for Andrew and I, our sites are a little bit higher. We don't want to just make income for us. We actually want to make enough through this to be able to start putting money into other people's lives, to be able to start putting up billboards and start you know pr- pushing this conversation. And ultimately I th- I guess in line with what you're saying, this, industry because that's what this is this is an entirely new industry that's coming you know to the surface in humanity it's an old industry in its own way but it's kind of gotten lost in ceremony right it's gotten lost in the form rather than the function and so now we're all bringing this mentality this value in insight and being to the surface and we're trying to figure out how that mixes with a capitalistic society and it doesn't it doesn't, that's the whole thing, and right? So, <laughs> but maybe that's what's going to change the capitalistic society. Maybe that is in fact, part of that transition period. And, and I like what Scott was saying earlier about when he goes into work, he causes ripples just based on his state of being. He's affecting all the people he, work with, he works with and they all work within that, capitalis- that, that capitalistic si- system. So they're changing and going out into their lives and rippling against other people as well. So as we go through this, we're changing everything, and I think that perhaps one day this commodification of, of life coaching or insight or anything else is just going to become a new system, or rather, a system that that has better priority.
3: That uh, that was well said, my man. And uh, I I kind of like that there. It for me at least, like I I've had offers for certain sponsors, and I would say I've, I've just kind of held off till till I till I get certain ones I can really align with. But I love that I don't have to worry about. The money you're asking for it or any it has nothing to do with it for me it's like the thing that's so authentic in my life and it's just like the one thing i want to do like truly because in my day job i try to like and again i'm lucky enough to make money all that good stuff like I, but that could be me making an excuse for myself to not have that belief to to let go of this job or that and be able to to really like pursue it and i'm i'm the type of guy where i'm used to getting very good at things very quickly and it's hard getting full-time results from doing part-time work. So there was a point, uh, last year, right around the middle of COVID where I was like, I'm just going to quit this job. I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to do podcasting. And I just started looking at the numbers and, you know, just things. And I was like, this just doesn't seem right. So I would say for me, I've, I've set up a plan where I can do this for the next five or six years and and kind of balance everything in a nice harmonious manner. Um, and be able to make, like even I'll get a, 10 15 emails a week about questions and people want to talk to me and I'll, I'll try to take four or five people and I, and they like you know how much do you charge like I, I don't want to charge anything I, this is what I'm here for like this is my my true purpose that's my this is why I make the money so I don't have to ask you for money that's kind of the way I look at it um in a in more of a fiscal sense so
2: yeah so that's interesting because be, and that yeah I don't know I guess it's just up to every individual but you have this job that um provides you this, yeah, that, that is kind of like a cool, I I would like to be in that position where I didn't have to charge for it, You but would like but my service and my energy. So I do exactly. feel like,
3: Ex- Exactly. Be, but know, that's the, could, that's the problem I have because there's yeah. seven hours of my day for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are, you know, you're making money, but you're, what, what are you really doing? Like I'm helping a rich person become richer. I'm helping solve it. Like, eh, you know, that's, that's the struggle for me because I know with full-time work, we could be, you know, But on this on the same side, the the reason why my podcast has kind of grown to the top 10 and all that stuff is from the money that could pump into SEO and, and there's you know there's all tangible stuff. This stuff is so hard, man. Like this stuff is such a difficult thing. Like I know, like in my heart, I'm like, if I quit the shop right now, I would be able to make some money in a year. Like I just had that belief. But would it be, you know, there's you know. The telling my mother, and there's all these other outside things that that yeah, kind of yeah. get in my way. Because like I was the kid. If you looked at me when I was 26, I did exactly what my mother told me to do. She wanted me to get married. She wanted me to make make five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year. She wanted, well, she wanted me to to build a house in Brooklyn. I did all that, and I was so miserable. I was like, "This is crazy." And I kind of had a breakthrough. Like, shit, my mother doesn't know shit. Like, my mom can't tell me what, what what's right for me. So from that moment, I like I love mom, and I listen to her, but. And so it comes back to this meaning thing. And that's why I love it. It's like life is the meaning you give it. So that's that's the best part of this whole thing. And, and for me, money means something a little icky. Like even with my coaches now, like I have a, a Tony Robbins coach. I have a comedy coach. I have a gym coach. And it's like I sense the bullshit. I sense somebody trying to get me for the next year. And it's like, I fucking hate this. I hate being so aware Kid from Brooklyn. I, don't, I, wanna, I wish I was ignorant sometimes. I wish I didn't know. But this is where, where we are. So.
1: That's awesome. And I'm going to pass this to Andrew in a, section, in a second because I know when we first started uh, talking about the podcast, he was looking at the possibility of doing some one-on-one coaching. Um, what's interesting is that there's almost a double-edged sword, right? Because we don't want to charge for coaching. And I know that when I started diminishing my prices as a life coach, there was a point where I actually had to stop. And it was because the people coming in and paying less, less of a price were appreciating the lessons less. They were actually taking away less from it because they didn't give it the same amount of value. So there is almost this shame to the fact that you have to charge just so this person can make that symbolic commitment to the conversation that you're having, right? And so there's, there's that is frustration. Like
2: there's like a demonization of money here that we probably don't, that, you know, doesn't need to be so like, and that's another, Whole other thing, guy. You're gonna have a lot to respond to, Andrew, when this lands in your (laughs) lap. But like that, money is this evil thing, you know? Or like, of course, it's not true. But there, and I think about that a lot. I don't really know. I, I, you know, money as energy. It's just a currency. I, I can't fully say I stand behind that. I don't really know what that means. But I get what you're saying. Like you make an investment in something, you show up to it, you know, and an investment is something different for everybody. Like, what would be a big investment for you, Scott, would be totally different from what a big investment for me would be, you know, and so that, and that it, it just happens to be that money is the thing that we make that investment with.
3: Exactly. I
0: I resonate with all of this quite a bit. And I think, yeah, I hate, I hate selling stuff. Like I haven't done any branded. I did one branded TikTok back like end of 2020 for a protein bar. And I think I deleted it a week later Mm because I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't think they even paid me. I think they just sent me some free ones and I felt like I, I should be a nice guy. But yeah. Oh man. I go back and forth with this stuff so, so much. And yeah, like part of me want, like I've had so many feelings of just wanting to like rage quit my job and just be like, cause I do have confidence that I will be able to figure it out and, and kind of like, but what is the war mentality of like burn the ships at shore and, and you have no choice. Yeah, but deal or die. Yeah. Die or die or win. And I think that would kind of force me into that. But part of me definitely, and I'm aware of this, like clings to that security of getting paid every two weeks and getting paid like a very good salary where I'm able to cover everything very well and all that stuff and then save extra on top of it. And then to think that, you know, if I rage quit, that goes away immediately. And all of a sudden I'm cutting into savings right away. And so yeah, I go, I go back and forth and I haven't really come to a conclusion besides that it's okay to balance it. I think, and and Scott, everything you've said about that has resonated a lot because I think early on when I started to build a following on TikTok and stuff, like people immediately start asking you like, how much are you making from this? Like, but like blah, blah, blah. That's like the first question anyone asks. And it's like, you ever thought that maybe it's not all about the money. Maybe I just really enjoy doing this. Like this is essentially a, a hobby of mine. Like one of my favorite things to do. And I also have a full-time job. And, and so I've kind of gone back and forth with that quite a bit and and realized that at least right now i'm in the space where i've realized it's okay to do both and and you don't have to just because you have built a following on tiktok like everyone kind of thinks you just start making money from it and it becomes your full time thing but there is a side of me that kind of likes the balance as as much as work isn't my passion at all it does there have been times when i've put a ton of time into content and I get kind of burned out a little bit in certain ways with that. So part of me is like afraid of that too, is like, what if I do go all in and then I get burnt out? Like I have in the past before, because there have been times when just gets to be too much and it, it's infiltrated my life so much that I have to take, I just cut everything out for like a week or two, just delete everything from my phone and just not look at anything. Like that's happened a handful of times in the last year and a half. And so yeah, I, I don't know. I think right now it's just that I'm in a place where I'm I'm happy with everything that I'm doing. I, I've found a, a pretty good balance. I pretty much told my boss that I don't want to get promoted because I don't want to do more work. Like I've had that conversation. Andrew, me too.
3: I turned down <laughs> equity this year. My boss thought my, they thought I was leaving the job. I'm like, guys, I, I just don't want to be tied to you. I just want to give my money and let me let me talk about philosophy at, at, at you know Security. It's very simple. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's like pretty much. Like, and I I've had since then, my boss is like, so is there stuff you want to be working on? And I'm like, dude, honestly, like I'm not trying to go anywhere with this. I haven't yet told him that, you know, I, I probably won't be in digital advertising for another, you know, in, in a handful of years, like, almost definitely won't be in it, but you know, he's also, my, my company's pretty young. He's like 28. So he's only two years older than me and he's, he's come across my TikTok, So he's like, well aware, everyone on my team is well aware that I have content stuff. So, but I, I do a good job and I get all my work done. So it's never been an issue, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I'm happy right now and being able to kind of see it as a practice day to day of like, you don't have to absolutely love everything you do, but you can still kind of accept where you are and and see yourself layering on that judgment of your situation, which is only exacerbating your suffering. Um, so that's kind of been, that's been a benefit, I guess, of, of staying at the job, but
1: mm. anyway. Sure. And there's no right path. I mean, I, I know because I've, I've taken every path I think I can. I mean, you can try and build the side project while you work a full-time job or you can quit your job and then try and build that side project into a full-time job but and and as a as a previous entrepreneur I know that working for yourself is super fulfilling there's a mentality that goes into it that that is reflective of the conversation that we're having where you are responsible for your life you're responsible for the energy you put in and what you get out and so there's there is something to that but the thing about having uh, a job is that there are a, cert- a certain amount of hours you have to work, and then it's done,
0: yeah.
1: right? Self-employment never ends. It is constant. You know, Even when you're not working, you're thinking, hmm, how can I put this towards my business, right? Or, hmm, what am I learning about myself that I can pass on to my clients, right? Everything becomes uh, the business itself. There is no line between your professional self and your personal self anymore. It becomes the same the same kind of uh, existence, or at least it should be. I found a lot less complication in my life when I was Ray, life coach and non-life coach at the same time. It was just Ray. You you can call me a life coach or not, but it was the same person regardless if you saw me at work or on the street, right? So that was the nice thing about entrepreneurship, but it's hard. There's a lot of challenges to it. I mean, it's far more uncertain than working a job and trying to build something on the side. But on the other hand, working at a job you can get into the uh the mentality of oh i'm secure oh i'm stable and then before you know it, here comes a pink slip because they're downsizing right or something like that because there is no certainty there is no security right it's, there's just the illusion of it so if you can keep that in mind then you're always kind of riding at the moment regardless it's just the, the situation that changes around you right
3: mm-hmm. yeah i think it comes down to how you look at it because you can look at it like oh this is pulling me like i've had the times where i look at oh well this comedy is pulling away from podcasting, podcasting is pulling away from the job. And then you can look at it. Well, podcast is, is giving me the vigor to go to work and the podcast giving me the vigor to go into to comedy. So it's just like, it's just depends how you look at it. And, and when I've told comedians this, cause comedians are the biggest assholes, I'll tell you that much. Some, some have had both reactions. It, it's, it's just interesting to see how people kind of, you know, react but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Do what you want anyway. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm just, I keep thinking about, this, the one job I had, like, you know, outside of high school jobs and stuff, I did have one job that I worked for like two and a half years. That was like a nine to five, you know, except for I worked like 12 hour shifts. Anyway, I hated it. I hated it. But I was I needed it. Because like previous to that, I was full time in Nepal and a whole another story. But that was it was I was in disaster relief. I was there for the earthquake and like destruction and death and like rebuilding and like so much of, I just got burnt out, I had nothing in me to come back and start a medical practice, you know? So I was like, I need somebody to just give me a paycheck and tell me when to clock in and when to clock out. And so I got a job like that. And it was like, yeah, it, it, it allowed me to recover, even though it was like, you know, a false sense of illusion or whatever. I could have got fired at any time. It was like such a gift to just be able to you know, do some stupid work. And it wasn't too long, though, before I like really hated it. And it was a toxic environment. And, you know, the the manager, I don't know, they're never going to listen to this. (laughs) It was just a straight up toxic environment. The clients, the the co-workers, the managers, for the most part, it was like not a great place to work. And um, I was after a year or two, I started to build a a practice. I started to see patients on the side and I, uh, was te- I was really teaching this self-love stuff and um, working uh, one of the practices that I teach is self-kindness. So like when I, I like had to survive this job, that was just it like without punching somebody in the face or like quitting, you know, I just had to go in and then stay there until I had to leave. And it was like all I could do to fucking do that. And um, so I like developed these skills just of like self soothing and self kindness. And like, you know, just that's where like I got like uh, just over hours and hours of practice because I started doing mindless like work that will soon be done by a robot, you know, and this job. And I, so I had all this, like all these hours of mindless work on my feet. And I was just like perpetually kind to my body and kind to my heart and like had a kind inner dialogue. like. I'm so proud of you for not punching that guy in the face. and I can't believe you showed up again today, and you've been you haven't quit yet, you know, and you're doing a great job. And so then, like that like that experience of having like I just practiced so many skills, I realized after some months, like i that's how I like became so like a nice person to myself. Uh, you know, it really it i I never would have like expected it. And now, like years later, I quit that job. I don't know, five years ago or something, but I like teach what I learned in that job. is like a practice that I teach regularly to other people. Like, this is how, like, if you're in a shitty situation, you can use it as an, or in a mindless situation, you can use it as an opportunity to practice the skill of self-kindness. And not only that, but I just like sent somebody a message yesterday because I probably, there's like five or six people from that job that were like coworkers, whatever, that like every single one of my posts that Aww. like respond to my emails, that share my stuff. And I'm just Oh my God, I freaking love you guys, <laughs> you know? And so I, I'm, it's just crazy how like that job I hated. You know. so you never know, like how things are going to look. You say this all the time. You, got, you guys do like, you never know what's a good or a bad situation when you're in it. You know?
1: Absolutely. What I think is interesting, and, and and I've noticed this, I'm 42. I've worked a lot of jobs in my life. I think I've been working since I was like 13 years old. So what's interesting is that jobs where there is a hierarchy, which is pretty much every job within capitalism to some degree, um, they, there is this toxicity that almost inherently is part of it because the ego and hierarchy go hand in hand right so as soon as you have people at different levels of power and different levels of influence you start seeing people identify with that and then all that identification kind of rolls downhill as it were onto everybody else and so that's something that i've definitely found in in working environments um, has been challenging especially if you are of the of the mindset of we're all one I just want to live my life and be happy and enjoy the moment that I'm in. That, that very much goes against somebody who's like, but I'm stressed because we're not productive enough. So I'm putting pressure on you to make you more productive because obviously that's going to work, right? And, and so there is that toxicity because ego and control go hand in hand rather than influence and empathy, right? And so I, I find that really interesting. But on the other hand, like you said, you learned from that environment. We are learning from our captivity within this society and we're learning how to communicate freedom which is exactly what you said, Scott, at the beginning of the episode, is that we are passing on the lessons about our own personal freedom that we've learned through escaping the captivity of our own illusions. I find that to be just amazing because it's not life coaching. It's living. I I had a client once ask me, like, what are your credentials? And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, I'm 40. I'm 40 years old. I've been through a whole bunch of stuff and I'm still feeling fine there's my credentials, right? And it's like, okay, well done deal. Right. But that's not how the ego thinks. The ego is looking for that, that assurance that that you have been trained by people who have knowledge. It's like, right. Those people who have knowledge rarely have self-awareness though. So I can memorize a bunch of stuff and still be totally useless to you.
0: Yeah. Aaron, and going back, I I like how you mentioned that, you know, being in a shitty situation that you learn from, is it, is it still a shitty situation? It's like, well, no, maybe it isn't. And for me, like just coming back to the understanding that I don't know, like being able to look back on my life to quote unquote shitty situations and seeing how many positive situations that led to, it's like, the more you see those, the more you realize, oh, there aren't actually shitty situations. And it's not that, you know, in the moment you're going through something difficult, and you're struggling and you're stressed or you're sad or you start crying or anything like that. Like there's nothing wrong with that either, but it's, it's the more you catch yourself and, and see that, Oh, right now this seems objectively bad, but I don't know. Like it seems so objectively bad. Like there's no way that even 0.1% of people would say that this isn't objectively bad, but you still don't know, like no matter what, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the severity of the situation. And so being able to relax into that uncertainty, that is what we are like, that is every single moment is so freeing. And there's so much more, you have so much more time. Like, I think we mentioned this in the last podcast episode, but there's so much more time when you don't spend all of it labeling every situation as good or bad. It's, it's such a waste of time and energy and just so unnecessary, like labeling something as bad doesn't make it any better whatsoever. And seeing that it just helps so much. And, and it's not to say that you don't get caught up in stuff still, but as soon as that hits you again, that like, you don't know it just all of it kind of sheds very quickly for sure.
3: I, I got this uh, tattoo right here last week. This too shall pass. And uh, that's an old hey. parable. That's an old little saying for Because for I, me, I, I still, yeah, I still get too caught up in the highs too. You have to remember it's, bo- it's both the highs and the lows. You don't want to get too emotionally, uh, you know, kind of connected to them. Have you guys ever heard the, the parable of the Chinese farmer? You ever heard that?
0: Yeah. Wait, I, I, yeah. I made it. I made a TikTok about there that, go. and it got oh. like eight million views, I think. I, I can't, I hustle. can't
3: recite it, but it's, I was, it's a hell of a parable. <laughs> I, think, I check don't know
2: it. Out. Somebody else besides me needs to hear it too.
3: I got knows? it. I got it up here because I'm not, I'm not going to pretend unless you could do it off of the, off your head, Andrew, which would be impressive. <laughs> uh, I could
0: try. Um, Give it a shot. Let's
3: see. I'll help what, you along what... the
0: way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the story I call it maybe, yep. and so there is. A Chinese farmer who owned a bunch of horses. That's the first one, right? Yes. Horses. Yeah. And one day, one of his horses ran away and everyone from the town came by and said, oh my gosh, one of your horses ran away. That's so horrible. And the farmer responded, maybe the next day, the horse came back and brought with it seven wild horses and everyone from the town again, came by super nosy townspeople. And they were like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing it brought back seven wild horses. And the farmer responded, maybe. And so the next day, his son was riding one of the wild horses and got bucked off and broke his arm. Again, everyone came by, oh my gosh, so horrible. Your son broke his arm, said maybe. Following day, the army came around to take able-bodied men to join the army. But because his son had broke his broken his arm the day before, couldn't join. And I think that's that is the four situations more that's or less, that, but yeah, dude. just to say. Dude, that no, was no. good,
3: Andrew. That was, <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. The, it's like the uh, I think what that's trying to say, like the whole process of nature is so it's such an integrated process of complexity that is actually unfathomable to us. And I, I, you know, if you're talking about Buddhism, it's called Indra's net that you're, you know, it's just impossible to tell whether anything that happens to you is good or bad. Cause my, my still, the, my sickest physical time was my hedge fund days and I, I would not been able to build my business that I have today without that. So it's always just, it's a, is it a misfortune or fortune? We, we never know. So
2: I gotta. I really want to ask the question now. There's this idea like I really bounce back and forth between whether or not I believe it. Some like chum for the waters. Like, uh, what do you guys think about the idea that everything happens for a reason? Anybody? Mm.
0: <laughs> I so I used to think for sure, everything happened for a reason, but I don't, I don't really think about that very much anymore, quite frankly, like whether it does or it doesn't, does it matter is kind of what I've settled on. And it's like, we give things reason, kind of like we give, like we as life give life meaning, like life is whatever you want the meaning to be for you. So whether it has a reason, I mean, Yet, like, yes, I guess everything does, but depends how you look at it. Like, yeah, it has a reason in that it is something happening and it is the situation that you're in, and there are an infinite potential of choices that you have because of that, and then moving forward. So it's like everything's happening to you and you're happening to everything else. So, is there really a division of something like happening to you, or is there just one big? happening, I guess. Yeah. That was not where I was starting with this, but that's where I've, that's where I've come to. It's all one big happening and you're not separate from it in any way, shape or form. So are things actually happening to you or are you happening to things or is there no separation? And then it's
3: like kind of a different question, I
2: guess.
3: Yeah. Dualistic unity and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going like, to Ray, I want, want to hear yours, man. I'm kind of just waiting to see what you say.
1: <laughs> um, it, The problem is, is the word reason, right? Because, Everything is, is unitary, everything's connected. There's, there is no division whatsoever. And so if I, if I was to put a tablecloth on, on a piece of, on a table and put a salt shaker on one end of it and then tug on the other corner, you would know, go, oh, that salt shaker is moving for a reason. It's like, yeah, because it's attached to the rest of the tablecloth, right? It's not that it's moving for a reason so much as it is part of the movement in itself, right? So as we progress from moment to moment to moment, it's not so much that things are happening for a reason but that the content always matches the context right we always fit appropriately the environment that we that we are a part of right so regardless of our state of mind our environment gives us exactly what matches that part of our journey it doesn't matter what it is because a boss could be yelling at you for example if you're in a state of your journey where you you know, or haven't learned about your own self value, you're going to take that conversation in a different way than if you actually do recognize your self value. And so it really comes down to the same event is happening, but your opportunities have changed because of where you are and who you are and the environment that you you are going into that situation. So it's not so much as that things happen for a reason, so much as everything is unitary, everything is connected, everything happens because it must. There's, it's very difficult to describe it. Otherwise, it's kind of like uh, the question of, well, why do I have a dream and then it happens? And it's like, well, it's not that the dream caused it to happen. Well, it, it kind of is in the same way that the happening caused the dream, right? It goes both ways. They're, they're, they're connected, intimately. There is no division. One causes the other because our perception of time is just a perception of time, right? There is no actual time. All moments are connected intricately.
3: Man, I, I, I can't beat that. But I, I just try to remember that life is happening for me and and not to me and when you're able to look at it that way it's like you could because you could have backward reasoning for everything right like uh i got into i got a dui because i was doing this or i did did something bad because of this or it could have been the reason before that it could have been the girl i should drive could have been there's so many different different things and i i I agree with andrew like it's not worth thinking about but at the same point it is sort of worth thinking about because i think what's important is the is are you taking the optimistic view or are you taking the, 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 the pessimistic view? Because that's the, the beautifulness of, of even like I just talking about with my client today, like th- it's the meaning that, that you're giving it. You you could take all the responsibility in the world and, and bear the weight on the soldiers, which I believe I try to do in, in a way. Or you could look at the opposite way, which is nihilism, which is what Nietzsche talked about, which is all these guys talked about. You could say life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. This is all happening to me and I'm going to be destructive. And I... I've done both of these things. I would say if you caught me at Andrew's age, you would have been like, what is this kid's a psychopath? I was running around, running hot, pleasure, 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 pleasure. And I've, I realized that's not the answer. And now I'm living this other way. And i gonna tell you, it's Maybe people may say it's more boring or more still, but I, the, the, the pure joy I have in being able to have those moments of, of having like these conversations, I'll take this over, over a night at the club. Well, maybe, maybe they're, they're very close, yeah. but you know, they're closer than they would have been. So.
1: I understand that for sure. And I, I just want to say very quickly that my life has changed. Like when I was younger, if there was a crowd, if there was a mob, I was part of it. Like it was just it's, If there was a group of people, I could just go from one group to another. That was me. I was just kind of that person. Now I'm in my 40s. And what's funny to me is that I can sit in a room with bare walls and nothing in it and be completely entertained for hours on end. Like there's, there's nothing outside of my own existence that I need anymore. But had it not been for recognizing how many times I was chasing happiness, how many times I was chasing fulfillment or chasing entertainment, trying to fill a lack that was only there because I was trying to chase something, right? That that was the whole thing that, that really dawned on me was that, oh, oh, wow, I'm actually happier when I'm not trying to be happy. And then you kind of settle into what you are, right? And that's where you see those opportunities. It's like I was saying in a previous podcast, my daughter often laughs at me because we'll just be eating dinner and I'll get very involved with what I'm doing because I try to be as person as possible or rather that's just kind of what happens now. And I'll get the stupid look on my face as I'm chasing a pee across the, the plate because it's fun for me and I'm completely lost in that adventure for what's happening. And she just looks at me like, really? Really, that's what's entertaining you? It's like, yeah, that's what's entertaining me because it's entertaining if I get my opinion out of the way, if I get the clock out of the way, oh God, I got to finish dinner get on this call, blah, blah, blah. It's an adventure in itself. I mean, it's just like when we were children, right? Yeah.
3: And I got caught up in this like, like what's the what's my purpose in life? What's my meaning? Like where? Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I take one month out of the year, and every year I do a little Scott trip, like a Shaman trip by myself, go somewhere off the. I was in Maui, looking at the beach, I'm sitting there, I'm just trying to figure out what do I do? Do I do I push comedy? Do I quit? Whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, like the meaning of life is not any of this nonsense. It's it's this. It's me sitting under the stars in Maui, like and just enjoying this beautifulness. I'm like, wow, like the meaning of life is life itself it is this conversation It is like where i am right now enjoying this conversation with friends like that that's it it's that it's that simple and it's hard to to remember that most of the time like i wanted to murder somebody on the train today but it's you know it's it's getting there and i think the more that we have these conversations and the more we uh, like unveil this to people this stuff isn't 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 rocket science right It's, it's fairly simple and i just try to tell people like listen are you sleeping enough are you taking time in the morning to just not be on the phone are you eating right like start there and then all this other this this stuff that is could, could go past people's heads. is just like just it all will come because when you start getting past this whole chasing thing, even chasing podcasters. That's what I was doing last year. It's like Jesus Christ, like they, for what? What is the what is the point?
0: Yeah, yeah. And this 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 comes from uh, one of Ray's videos actually. Discover Transcendence. That the key to happiness isn't getting what you want. It's about not wanting, and and seeing that that peace that comes from getting what you want isn't. Because you got what you want, it's because you allowed yourself to feel perfectly whole and complete, exactly as you were in that moment. Once you got what you wanted, but it wasn't the getting that gave you that. It was it was the stopping of the wanting, and then the the ceasing of desire, and and that's it. And I've been able to implement that much more into my life. And part of me sometimes goes back. I think this past fall, especially, I just it's like very turbulent for me in a lot of different ways, because I got to a point where I, I've always been very rigid and super structured and super goal oriented my entire life, like playing sports, trying to get into a good college. And uh, I don't know which months it was maybe like September and October. And I just like stopped doing that completely. I was like, no schedule whatsoever. I was going to bed when I got tired. I was waking up when I woke up, I was working out when I felt like working out. And I think that taught me some things because part of me was judging myself so much for allowing myself that sort of level of freedom, which I had never experienced in my entire life. And so I got through that and I I kind of taught me some stuff about just like, it's okay to not be super rigid and not be super structured all the time. But then after about two months or so, I was like, all right, well, there's a lot of things that I want to get done throughout the day that I'm just not getting done because I'm just like living based on these whims here and there. And so what I found was like, it's okay to not tie that value that I always had to what I accomplished or what I got done or the goals that I achieved, but it's also okay, which I kind of thought for a little bit that it wasn't, it's also okay to implement structure. And implement some goals into your life to give you that direction without relying on the accomplishing of the goal to give yourself value or think that your value is derived from that. So it was kind of like swinging back and forth on this yeah. pendulum for like two months, three months, and it was turbulent for sure. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm with driving. you because you're and, like me,
3: like, yeah. I think that that's where you find, like, that's where you that's the line. All right, this is too much. So I was like. Trying to imagine like me trying to date women, see my eight cousins, run a business. I, I had everything checked out. And I look back six months. I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm 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 here trying to check a box to make sure I, I did comedy. This is, this doesn't feel right. And I think you need to have some for me at least. I need I need to be a 4 a.m. I need to. I try to like top of my day be structured, but then after you kind of loosely. You gotta find what what works for you. I think that's the that's the most important thing of all this. You have to you have to find the practice that works best for you. Like after this seven thirty Dharma class, baby, I can't wait. Like I'm so excited. Like this is the best. Tuesdays are my favorite day. What's it? Wednesday? Wednesday? Wednesday?
2: (laughs) One way that I've uh, really been enjoying looking at this balance at this conversation is with the masculine and feminine energetics. Are you guys familiar with this approach? Like, yeah, the masculine energy. Uh, being that of structure and the feminine energetic being that of flow the river and the riverbed and just trying to look at how these two um, at, at where we tend or where our energy without uh, direction will tend to flow um, and uh, just attempting to have some balance between them or just like noticing like how it feels to be more in a like it's totally like the the masculine disciplined, structured checklist check it all off and then you can relax it's like a very uh masculine energetic and like you know it's not really about gender i don't know why these two terms they it just works for this to, to describe this polarity yeah. right i'm so and glad you said feminine, that yeah and, and hey, we can feminine, use anything
3: right like, black and white you know they all yeah. they each imply each other so
2: yeah um, but I found that, uh, I've really been enjoying that lately, just like creating like a structure, a container, you know, in my life for myself, um, that looks like, you know, a waking up at the same time every day or like a morning routine or a meditative practice. And then also like giving myself time to like follow the impulses of, um, what I feel and what I want and. Uh, what I desire and be in like feeling mode and what feels good um yeah so i've i am finding that really helpful something I wasn't really aware of it's also a new um a trending area in the the healing life coaching industry this polarity and uh um yeah, that's all I have to say about it. It's been very
3: interesting. No, I, I I love that. So, so to give you guys an idea, I need a break from my masculine craziness, waking up and lifting weights. So Thursdays, tomorrow morning is like my uh, my yin day, my feminine day. So I'm going to wake up, I'm going to meditate by the water, going to do the sunrise and just sit. It's just nice to not have something to do for, for a morning and just like let it be. And those... Those uh I'm so happy you brought that up because like that animal work, the Carl Young work, the dream work I've been doing. I see I it's so weird because I've been doing doing the dream work and writing my my dreams down and it's the same dream every night. It's the weirdest thing. There's a woman, that's my shadow, that's what Young would say. She comes over and she points. And I go, no, no, it's not that way. My everybody's that way. I gotta go this way, and she just goes, No, 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 it's not that way. It's th- you have to go this way. And we have this fight every night with this woman, but this is my, my unconscious, it's just really interesting. And um, ever since I started kind of feeling more, it's weird to say, I feel like, like I'm starting to feel, but um, like actually like wanting to sit in the stillness and wanting to just get more emotional, talk, think about you know, childhood traumas or these deep things, like. There's something to be said about that that kind of gets you through the, the rest of this. I think that's how you level up the masculine energy in a way is, is by, by really going deeper on that, on that feminine or that yin energy. So,
2: Yeah, and it's often there's so many different teachers in this, in this space, but it's often said like the meditative stillness, a practice of stillness is like the ultimate masculine, you know. So meditation is masculine and just like that is the container. You know, I totally feel that like when I'm with clients, like I, there is like, they are in a bubble with me, you know? And, um, so that is like that practice in itself, but that gives, then like having a practice like that, it's like creating your own container that is safe, right? There, we haven't even like tapped into this idea of safety, which is like so important for this work, but you're creating your own sense of safety to then express and explore those emotions. You know, if you didn't have that, like, container or this, uh, pra- these practices to, um, to kind of build this, sense of trust in yourself and your capacity, to come to come back, you know, then uh, you wouldn't be able to explore this. So yeah, they grow together.
1: Super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And over time, you, you kind of start developing a sensitivity to it, right? Like, I never thought of it in terms of male and female, because of course, I, I read the Tao Te Ching when I think I was 18, 19 years old. And so the, the yin yang always just kind of stuck out, but I never looked at it in terms of male or female or, or anything else. To me, it was, you know, uh, the hard and soft approach, the difference between say control and empathy, right? And so when I first started coaching, for example, it was, I'm full of all this insight. You know, I'm going to pass that on to people. And, and that was very much that controlling or male energy, right? And, and then as I started coaching, I started recognizing or feeling people um, putting up their walls because they, they felt that my energy was telling them what to do rather than relating to where they were. And so there was entirely different feeling it happens. And this often happens with my daughter actually um, as she's been as she has grown up and we've come into arguments where she's been frustrated. There's almost this this cessation of force where it's almost like you've you've uncorked yourself and all your energy is just kind of like, whatever, it's fine. Let it be what it is. And you just kind of give up. And suddenly you're in this state of, of vulnerability. And that other person's energy suddenly takes that that opposite stance of coming towards you. And so it's like you were saying where, you know, you feel like when they come into to coaching that you're in your own little room together, you're on your in your own little bubble. As I started life coaching, I started recognizing that I was going into their bubbles as I, as I started relaxing into it, as I stopped being the coach or the, the one with the knowledge, the teacher, right? I, I noticed that all of a sudden I was just becoming, an accessory, a tool to their growth, just by being with them, as opposed to trying to make something happen. I was just adding my energy to their environment and letting them do what they want with it, which is kind of the same as Reiki.
0: Yeah. I've always, I've always liked the, uh, Alan Watts take on it, like the spikes versus the wiggles. And I think like I was saying before, just like going back and forth with it, especially when you kind of get yourself out of the way and, and your identity out of the way, they kind of almost like morph together a little bit. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there isn't as much like with everything, there isn't separation, but also with, you know, the the masculine and feminine or yin yang or spikes and wiggles, like there isn't as much of a conceptual division there either. And there's like just, a sort of flow with things, which a lot of people would, would say is on the wiggle side, but it's like being able to utilize within the illusion of duality, like this structure or, or this seeming spikiness to things without, while keeping in mind that it's not the truth. And while keeping in mind that, that it isn't actually what is. And I think keeping in mind that like you know, your value isn't derived from anything on the spiky goal-oriented accomplishment side of things. And then it's almost like the, the wiggles or the flow is underlying. It's like a underlying understanding that informs all of the decisions that you make with more of the structure and with more of the goals and, and striving to, to do things and, and enjoy things in this, in this life, and and whatnot. So I think it almost like instead of being two sides, it's like I don't know, like a underlying base yeah. layer sort of blockchain type deal. Dude, it's so
3: because like they're they're opposing, but they're complementary and interconnected at the same time. It's like this paradoxical thing of, of everything, right? It's the same thing with like the enlightenment, like right? We're sitting here chasing enlightenment. It's like we already have it. That's the, that's the foot. So what the hell are we doing? We're we chasing. But that's uh that's the first thing that my Dharma teachers tell me he's like. Who are you? He's trying to do the whole that whole game with me. Ray Friday does, but it's just that uh, that this whole dynamic. You could sum it up just by talking about the yin yang. It's beautiful.
2: And yet we are like here, you know. We are and alive and in this physical world, and probably going to be for a long time, you know. So I don't know this this dance. I guess. It's much more interesting to to like engage in the drama and like learn about all the different ways that energy flows within us and how we can manipulate it and liberate it and where it might be you know seemingly pocketed up somewhere. It's so crazy because I don't know. I remember when I first found you guys, I was like i I don't even know how I found you. Probably one of your viral videos, Andrew. And, and I was like, I just love these conversations that you're having because it's like the most important thing that we can talk about. And it doesn't matter. Like, and you know, like, and none of it matters, like, because you're right. Everyone's all fine. We're all good. We're all connected. It's, you know, like, what are we even doing here? But I, I think that these just like having this conversation, it just changes the way that you can show up to your moment, you know? And yeah. then yeah, and then maybe that changes. I don't know the way the, no, the person next to yeah. you experiences that's... their moment. And and I just want to throw it back to this like idea about desires and like not wanting because I don't know. I'm in like kind of a state of like digging desire, you know, because I'm because I'm here and like I do I want things that I don't have and. I, you know, and it's almost like not an understanding, of course, like having that thing isn't going to make me a happy person, but like the person that I have to become in order to get that, that sounds like a, why not? You know, what else am I going to do with my time?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so like in that, I don't know, I, maybe desire gets a bad rap,
0: I think. Well,
1: because it gets wrapped up in need, right? Like that that's the thing is that Often we, we wrap up our desire with what we perceive ourselves to need. And so it comes from this state of lack where when, when you're coming from a state of mind where you're constantly fulfilled, where it is just the moment for eternity, there's really no, nowhere to go. And it's just pick a direction. What direction? Which, where do you want to go? Pick a direction and go. But because there's no need, because there, there's no lack that's driving you, if all of a sudden You run across an insight and it informs a different perspective and you go, oh, actually, maybe I don't want that thing as much. You can just change direction and and there's no turbulence. There's no heart uh, heartache or suffering that goes with that. Whereas if you feel you need it, it's very hard to kick that addiction, especially when you're telling yourself that that's what's going to make you happy. That's the cessation of your pain. Right. And so it really is just need. Desire itself is fine. if you don't care about the end result, right? It's just, oh, the journey, the journey is the point. And, and so you can pick any direction you want. And then occasionally you'll get to that end result. But I was saying this to Andrew previously is that people tend to, to make the mistake of thinking that just because you don't want or need something, that it's not going to happen anyway. And it's not like you're just going to stop participating in life. It's not like you're going to stop moving or talking to people or doing things. And so you're always picking directions, whether you think you are or not, right? So it's it's just about. Which direction do you want to go? But we get so caught up in that end result that it changes everything that we do. And that's where that distortion and that frustration and then that lack of motivation comes from when we don't feel like we're close enough to the end result or an obstacle slides in our way and we can't see the end point anymore. And all of that distortion comes from that. But desire itself, there's nothing wrong with desire so long as it's not coming from lack.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I want to maybe even give more of props to desire. Not only is there nothing wrong with that. I think it's like maybe really special and cool. It's like what I know we're all one and all that, but like our desires are all very different, right? And uh I think you know, here is a and like in this moment like am I going to choose to believe in magic? Yes, you know? Like if we're all following our desires and not attached to them in this way, then that sounds like some magical shit to me, you know? We're just like I'm not attached to this outcome, but like something in me like wants that experience, and then you and then you do that, then then it like we all develop in our own unique ways, and that sounds like a hell of a masterpiece, you know?
3: Absolutely, I, I think when the when your values line up with the desire, it's it's the most joyous thing, because if, if you're chasing pleasure. It's gonna be short lived, you're gonna keep going back to that. But when you really can go deeper, that's why I love talking about it. So it's like you're exploring the depths of your consciousness almost in a way, like you're under like the inner workings of why you do things. That's that's the beauty of it. And when those align, um, for me, my life has never been more vibrant and more kind of just, just I'm happy, like treating it, you know, as Alan Watson, treat it like a game. Like I treat everything like a game. I'm sitting there with billionaires, I'm just laughing, I'm laughing about dumb shit. It's hilarious. Like, this is like, this is, why are you guys getting so upset? Whatever what they said to be so upset about, right? Like the, the last week, this client called me, and this is this is true story. I can't say the name NDAs, but this guy—he's mad that his friend is worth seven billion dollars and he's worth five billion dollars. And I'm just sitting, going, holy! Like, no matter how much money you get, you're gonna be—that you could find any reason to be upset. Because if it's not that, then it'll be like another guy. Uh, this guy sold his company, AstraZeneca, for twelve billion dollars, had all the money in the world. I'm um, the rich He was very—you know—he was worried that um, somebody was was gonna come and steal his uh, steal his family. So we had to give him security. So we gave him security, and he was worried that security was good. You could just keep going and keep going. It doesn't matter. It's it's your mind. It's how it's how toxic and how you could remove those things away from it. So these guys just put in my head like, don't, why chase the money if you're just gonna, you know? It's what's what's the point? It's not, the, you know. And I think that's the issue with, with this Western culture. It's like we're chasing clout and you're chasing power. It's like that's not that's the that's the, the 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 answer on the on the surface until you realize that's not the answer.
1: But how else can I establish my value except by comparison to my assumptions?
3: hmm
0: mm-hmm. I, was, I was just gonna say value by comparison is a slippery slope yep. but yeah it's an awesome example because it is something like we glorify so much in our society it's like that's the peak like every couple weeks we a new list comes out who's the 10 wealthiest people in the world and it's like like what i it just doesn't make any sense and even like people are are I think people are really grasping that more so now, like the idea of, you know, the American dream is, is shifting much more these days. And, and people are finding that, oh, I don't have to make boatloads of money just for the sake of making boatloads of money. Like even if, and that this was something I was thinking about this week, a little bit, like no amount of money guarantees happiness. And I was talking about it in a way that was like, it's not about whether money buys happiness or not. Like that wasn't really what I was talking about. It's that, No matter how much money you have, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have any degree of happiness and getting more money isn't going to guarantee more happiness. Because if you can't fully appreciate and experience the moment that you're in, which is the only thing that you can ever possibly experience, no amount of money is going to allow you to be more fully present in the moment. And that's where it all stems from. So it's like it kind of shifts that perspective. And a lot of people... You know you start talking about money and everyone's egos go crazy, whether it's because they have a lot or because they don't have very much. So it's it's kind of a touchy subject. But yeah, just just being able to see how often people with a ton of money, rich and famous people, aren't happy and, and they see it. And we saw it, you know, on a on a bigger scale with Jim, someone like Jim Carrey, like he's one of my favorite celebrities out there because he I think clearly saw he got all the things that he ever wanted and ever hoped for and kind of achieved a level of riches and fame that very few people achieve and almost everyone strives for and he saw that it wasn't the answer and he saw that oh that's that didn't actually bring me fulfillment and he got depressed for a few years because of it and then he sort of realized that oh it's just right now and there is no me this this idea of myself is is nothing more than a character and Jim Carrey was nothing more than a character that I've been playing my entire life, no differently than any of the other characters that I ever played in a movie. So it's just fascinating how often we see it and yet we still strive for it as a society, but it, it feels like things are are shifting. And as we shift, so does the world because we are the world and there is no separation.
1: Well, that's what's interesting. I, it was something that Aaron was saying about uh, the magic specifically i I don't know if either of you are are familiar with epiphenomenalism but basically it's the uh the study of, of of how the body moves without necessarily thought being the instigator behind that move um so there was a study where they would put a button in front of a person and then they would measure that person's brain waves and be able to tell when the body was going to physically push the button And what's interesting is that the buzzer would go off before the person had the thought i'm going to push the button So just as they were having the thought, I'm going to push the button, the buzzer was already moving. So the body knew it was going to push the button before the thought interpreted it as our decision to push the button, right? So that really makes you question everything about desire and movement, right? Because if we're letting go of lack as a motivator for our desire, then our desire is just spontaneous enthusiasm. It's just what we're calling our motivation to to move at all, right? Our, Our action as a being. And so if we get all of our lack out of the way, if we get our ego out of the way and we're still moving, we're still doing things, we're doing it almost a- a- as uh, as a reaction to the reality that we're experiencing as a part of that reality. Well, then almost all of us are starting to fall into this flow of our actual intelligence, not our cognitive intelligence, not our conscious intelligence, but the actual intelligence that's been running the show the whole damn time, regardless of the, the script or the play that we're putting over the show, right? So that, that's what kind of gets me is like, There's that magic. Our collective consciousness is already trying to refine its processes. It's already trying to to make itself uh, more streamlined in terms of its relationship with itself. And we're all just kind of acting out parts as that play starts to shift.
2: Damn. So I just wanna say now I get how you guys can talk for like two hours. (laughs) And I really, no, I really just wanna throw in this other, this new idea this other spice in the mix. Um, because I so often in like life coaching space, people talk about like repro- like the thought generates the feeling generates the sensation. And I was like, wait, right? Is that what happened? And I did some like research like what did what have scientists discovered over the years, and it is mostly that way. But what they say, thought, feeling, sensation, or feeling thought, sensation, or same time sensation, but either way, like body is not first, except for I, um, uh, the practice of Vipassana, y'all know Vipassana. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so I, um, it's probably the practice that I have been most devoted to in my life. I've done a couple of the 10 day silent meditations. And so, okay. Yeah. For people who don't know about Vipassana, it's, super dope it's supposed to supposedly like how they teach it is like the meditative teaching of the buddha like what the original buddha taught his uh his followers his people you know was this very simple basic meditation of awareness of sensation and and then from that equanimity not being attached to the pleasant or the unpleasant and that's it like that's it so in these, in these Vipassana meditations, that's basically what you do for 10 days, for 90 days, for however long you sign up for these meditations. The teaching is the same and it's like just aware of meditation. And in the 10 day course, like right now, like you can go to a Vipassana anywhere around the world and it's freaking awesome because it's free. Like you cannot even donate until after you finish your first 10 days. Um, so I love that about this institution, organization, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, who's like the current teacher, he's dead. And they play him on videotape for everybody that takes these courses, which is weird, but it's what they do. He teaches that sensation comes first, you know, and, and he's teaching, supposedly this is like the lineage of the Buddha's most simple, most basic meditation. He teaches sensation is first and then thought or feeling. I don't remember which one. Um, but that is the only place that I've heard this like body first and like when I would, yeah. And so anyway, I didn't, that rings a bell, this epiphenomenalism or this like, uh, experiment that you mentioned, but, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that's really cool. So we're talking about now in like spirituality and life coaching world, they were like moving from the 3d physical world to more like consciousness, like uh, changing, reprogramming through the thoughts and then your feelings and your sensations. But like next level is this, like, whatever this, like the sensation, the body leads, something is happening in, in the body that then causes the thought and the feeling. And so that's just like this idea that I have been, had like a kind of conflict and been like bouncing around, like what, what does really come first? And everybody's like, change your thoughts. And that works, you know, it works, but it's still like, you know, uh, boulders not so much boulders but maybe just like stones or pebbles and like this body stuff is dust
1: that's really interesting i just want to toss that in here because it inspired an insight quickly um sensation right because we talked about this briefly in our manifestation workshop back in september about how often we we look at you know sensation and feeling and thought and how that progression kind of goes but before all of that or, or rather right at that point of sensation is the opportunity for perception or for an altering uh, change in perception. So we have a sensation, all of a sudden we perceive it to be the body. So we perceive a division between the reality that we're experiencing and the reality that, that we embody or that our body in reality itself. So right there, that perception changes the sensation. It changes the thoughts that the sensation it inspires. It changes everything from there. Whereas if you can recognize that the perception of division is not reality of division, then the sensation itself becomes the entirety of existence right? And so and there is no body. And your perception and your thoughts and, your, and everything else that follows that changes. It, it, it changes the entirety of what you're able to see or what you're able to experience. This is where Andrew and I often talk about you know, life after death or life before, uh, before birth or, or, or what happens in hallucinogenic states, things like that. All of those states happen with the, the um, separation or not even separation so much as surrendering the perspective that there is a body separate from reality.
2: That
3: was well said, man. I love how you keep talking about uh, lack, because uh, I told you I was reading uh, Lack and Transcendence. Did you ever read that, Ray? Oh man, it's it's a beautiful book. So let me try not to butcher this, but it's a it's a Zen master from America. His name's David Loy, and he's he based very similar to what you're talking about, Aaron. And he talks about the philosophies which kind of overcome your human sense of lack, your suffering, your your dukkha, right? And he does not do it by promising karmic retribution or offering a meditative transcendence to these other realms of consciousness but by identifying your changing self with the changing world and by overcoming your sense of self and your sense of separation everything else kind of merges together and it was so interesting that i'm up to the point i i hope these books kind of give, give me an answer because it just fucking bugs me out like where's the solution but it seems to me and i'll let you kind of chime in right it's like he wants you to really feel your suffering in a way like really like truly, I've been having I've been kind of a little depressed from this thing because I'm trying I'm trying to do it, but I know this is uh this is not easy work here. So
1: at all, just keep yeah. that in mind at yeah. all. Um, <laughs> but and I've often said, you know, nothing worth doing is correct. Um, I know we have to wrap up here because Andrew has a hard stop around this time, actually, and, and as well as uh, we were going planning on ending here towards the top of the hour. I just want to give everybody a chance to to kind of ask a question before we wrap off or, or, or to just, uh, well, basically tell everybody how to communicate with you or get in touch with you, how they can find your podcast or find your Instagram channel, all of that. But if you have any more questions, definitely ask them right now because this has been just a great conversation. I really want to say thank you to both of you for participating in this. And I really hope that both of you together or individually will come back onto the podcast and continue this conversation in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just want to echo what Ray said. And and this was a big part of our season two or rolling into 2022 is just having more conversations with with more people about all these things. So yeah, this is our third episode now, like roundtable episode. So yeah, they just keep getting better and better. And and I'm looking forward to having more and hope you guys will want to come on again soon or just connect at some point. And, And Scott, I know you're in New York, so I would love to chill sometime
3: Oh, Andrew, we get some lack we get a lot of lack in these Friday nights brother. I'll tell you that much
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me though
3: um I, I, Aaron, you want to go first
2: sure How gentlemanly um I oh I you know I'll just I've got a billion questions I'm not gonna ask about well let's ha, let's continue the conversation another time I do just want to end with this idea though um like you had said before Scott this will this too shall pass Like the teaching from Vipassana that I think kind of really uh, is a similar parable um, and it relates to that last thing you said about being with your suffering is this will also change. This will also Mm -hmm. change. This too, this will also change. And that's been really, um, uh, that's been a good one for me to hang on to. So I'll leave that as a last offering. And I'm on... Instagram is like the main place, but I also just started a TikTok recently. I got like eight followers <laughs> <laughs> um, Raise one of them. <laughs> and both of them, it's um, self.love.doctor. So you can find me there. Awesome. Definitely check awesome. that out.
1: And again, check out the uh, the inner critic series that Aaron's been working on, because that that's just a great series of videos. If you're dealing with your own inner over analysis, or, or if you're being overly critical, it's it's definitely helpful to understand why, why that's happening, where it's coming from, and some of the strategies that other people use to deal with it. So definitely check that out. And again, Aaron, thank you so much for being here, Scott.
3: Uh, I will leave you guys with a little quote from Marcus Aurelius. It is not death that a man or woman should fear but he should fear never beginning to live um, and just type in cause the effect. You guys will find me any help or any questions anybody needs, just find me on anything type and cause the effect. Um, and I really, just so you guys, I love all of you. I think this was so cool. I would love to invite all of you to come on for an episode of causing the effect, because I just think this whole thing works uh, together or apart. I don't care. Andrew, Fuck all this Buddhism shit. We're going out raging. We'll get some bottles. Get some women. Get some get some party going because we need balance. Is what we said here. So um, seriously, thank you guys so much. This was a lot of fun. So
0: absolutely, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, I'm in Florida right now, but I'll be back in New York uh, next week. So just <laughs> just let me know. We'll connect. But let's go. Yeah. Thank you again. This was an amazing conversation per usual. Had a ton of fun. Really just enjoyed the back and forth and all of the ideas that everyone shared. So yeah. With that, I hope everyone else enjoyed it, if you're listening, and see you all
2: soon. Thank you, everyone.